Good evening. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Joey. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm a clinical chaplain and the grateful creator and host of the Spiritual Care Podcast from the Zen Buddhist perspective. Even though this podcast is made through a Buddhist lens, it is for every human, no matter your beliefs or non-beliefs, traditions or practices. Take a deep breath, settle in. This space is for you. want to make a podcast? Are you like, you know, I love sharing stories and I've got a lot of content I want to put out in the world, but I'm not necessarily somebody that's comfortable in front of a camera. I also don't really fancy myself as a writer. Podcasting might be the thing. And for a long time, we listened to podcasts. And as the podcast fad began to grow, uh, I was intimidated. I was like, man, I'd love to have a podcast someday. I think that would be really cool. And I thought that for years. And then Anchor Podcasts has made it possible. Anchor by Spotify is a wonderful way to put your voice out into the world. It's super easy to use. You can use it on your computer or you can download the Anchor app directly to your phone. And all you need is your phone. If that's all you can use, if that's all you can afford, that's good enough. I used just my phone for at least the first season and a half of my podcast. And the sound quality was fantastic. It's also super easy to edit, super easy to set up, and super, super easy to publish. And once you've published it, it goes out to different uh, 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 podcasting platforms. Uh, Apple, uh, podcasts, Spotify podcasts, so on and so forth, anywhere where podcasts are available. You have a voice, you have a story, put it out in the world with Anchor by Spotify. Hey everybody, Joey here. It's a beautiful day here in the St. Paul, Minnesota area. It's going to be in the low 70s today and I'm going to be cooking out on the grill this afternoon, which is pretty exciting. Today is Holy Saturday um, in the uh, Christian spiritual traditions. A Holy Saturday is a high feast day for Christians. It is part of what is called Holy Week, which is one of the uh, most sacred times of the year for uh, most Christian spiritual traditions. Thursday was Maundy Thursday, yesterday was Good Friday, today's Holy Saturday, tomorrow is Easter Sunday, of course. If you're interested in learning more about Holy Week, I suggest that you backtrack to season one of this podcast and find the series on Holy Week. There's four episodes, one for each day of Holy Week. On Maundy Thursday, Um, The story goes, Jesus of Nazareth gathers with his disciples and eats a final meal with them and then is arrested in a garden by Roman soldiers after being betrayed by his disciple, his apprentice and friend, Judas Iscariot. And he is, excuse me, he is um, then 
uh, dragged before different courts and is sentenced to torture and to execution. And on Good Friday, he is uh, crucified, murdered, and is buried in a tomb. Holy Saturday is significant for Christians because it is the day in which Jesus stays dead in the tomb. Now, for Christians, this is significant because Jesus is believed to be the incarnation of God. God with skin on. And Jesus is dead. This is one of the things that makes Christianity a scandalous spirituality. Because it implies directly that God dies. Yes, God the omnipotent, omnipresent, omnibenevolent, and omniscient dies. That's kind of tough to take in, isn't it? Excuse me. It is also hard for Western Christians, I think, to articulate a theology and a working spirituality around this idea that if what the Christian scriptures say is true, then what they believe is that this God-man, this Jesus, this homeless rabbi and itinerant apocalyptic street preacher and healer, when he dies, the God of the heavens and earth, the God revealed in the Genesis creation narratives and through the Torah and by the prophets, has died. God is dead quote the great Nietzsche. I'm interested in Holy Saturday primarily because of the ways in which it is juxtaposed to resurrection on Easter Sunday. So we're going to kind of wrestle with resurrection today. Resurrection is a interesting and tough topic today. Yes, I I know that um, I mentioned last week that we were going to begin a new series on spirituality and mental health disorders, but it is Holy Week, and I felt that it was appropriate to speak to that before we jump into the new series. So, you have my word, starting next week, we will begin the new series. So this Holy Saturday, or Silent Saturday, is all about the waiting following a significant loss, wondering if something is going to happen next. Now here's the deal. The people, the loved ones of Jesus of Nazareth who lost him had no clue that he would come back from the dead on Easter Sunday. No clue, right? So there's they're living in a shroud, a fog, of loss and unknowing. We hate that, don't we? We hate living in a shroud of 
fog, loss, unknowing. My relationship to the topic of resurrection has changed significantly over the years. I grew up believing that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a literal historical event, that Jesus physically, bodily rose from the dead after his murder. <clears throat> and that event, the, the, the birth, the life and teaching, death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ, is what saves Christians. What? Well, not just Christians, it's what saves humanity. Christians believe that that is what saves us. Saves us from what? Sin, the power of sin. Interesting, last week we talked about sin and um, shifting relationships to that word and that concept. And now looking at how the resurrection of Jesus is, is tied closely to that topic. If the, your attachments, understanding of sin has changed at all, shifted at all, then the way you talk about the resurrection of Jesus is going to shift as well, right? So some people might ask me, well, what do you believe? There's ongoing debates in Christian spiritual circles about whether or not the resurrection of Jesus was a literal bodily physical resurrection from the dead, or if it was a metaphor. Paul Tillich, the great um, Protestant theologian, talked about um, the resurrection in, in more um, sort of conceptual or metaphorical terms. It was less of an actual event. Um, the German theologian Wuffhart Pannenberg um, was a staunch opposer of uh, Tillich's ideas and believed that the resurrection needed to be a literal historical event or else Christianity uh, and the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ were meaningless. But here's the deal with that. I've had people tell me in the past well-meaning people who love me and who I love that in order to be a real Christian, a true Christian, you must believe in a physical resurrection. And I'm here today to tell you, dear listeners, that that is not true. That is not true. Nobody gets to decide what kind of Christian you are. No one gets to decide that if you identify as a Christian. Right? There's a lot of gatekeeping that happens in spiritual communities, including in Christian circles. And progressive Christians are just as guilty of this as conservative Christians. In fact, I've seen more gatekeeping in progressive Christian communities than I have in conservative Christian communities. This idea that you must believe in this kind of understanding of the resurrection or else you're not really a Christian. I mean, you might say you are, but you're not. Are you feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the, the poor and sick and incarcerated? No, then you're not a Christian. <clears throat> now, what, are those things good? Does Jesus of Nazareth say that those things are important and calls us to do that in the Gospel of Matthew? 
Absolutely. But say you don't do those things or don't do those things the way that somebody else thinks you should be doing them or when you you should be doing them or how often you should be doing them. Does that make you less of a Christian? According to whose standards? Let's just sit with that for a moment. Whose standards? Who gets to decide what makes a Christian? For a long time, it was this whole historical piece around the traditions of the creeds, right? The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, the Chalcedonian Creed. Um, Four different um, creeds that were statements of belief. They contained articles of that are confessions of belief, right? Here's what I believe. I believe this because of this. And because of this, I believe this. Because I believe this, necessarily all these other beliefs follow, right? The unifying historical documents are not biblical books in Christianity. It's the creeds. Creeds lay out what Christians historically have believed about God and God's relationship to this one they call Jesus of Nazareth. But today I want to invite you to separate, if you need to, the, the concept of resurrection from Jesus for just a moment. It's hard for us to do that because resurrection, the word resurrection, kind of like the word sin, has had staying power in the culture, mostly because it's wrapped up in the narrative of Jesus. And it is central to the belief system of Christianity. If there is a day that might be considered the most important feast day in Christianity, it would be Easter Sunday. Of course, we could spend a lot of time talking about how Christians once again co-opted pagan traditions and made them their own, you know, <laughs> projecting their own uh, beliefs and practices and traditions onto somebody else's because, you know, Christians and manifest destiny and all that shit. But <clears throat> um, that's a podcast episode for another time, I suppose. Instead, today, I want to focus a little bit more of our energy on what resurrection means for us. One of the most important things I learned about resurrection is that the concept of resurrection is different than the concept of resuscitation. The concept of resurrection is different than the concept of resuscitation. They are different things. We use the word resurrection as an all-purpose term, but it's actually not. It's a very specific term. In the gospel stories, Jesus raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. In that event, there is no resurrection. In that event, Jesus resuscitates Lazarus, returning to him that which he already had, his life. And when Lazarus comes back from the dead, Lazarus is just Lazarus all over again, this time just a walking, living Lazarus. 
Lazarus is resuscitated only to die again, right? Because he's human. Nothing about the substance of his humanity has changed in this story. Whether or not you believe that this actually happened is immaterial. The story itself is important for a number of reasons. We should not spend a lot of time believing that the same shit that happened to Lazarus is what happened to Jesus, according to Christian traditions, because that's actually not true. So when Jesus comes back from the dead, the word resurrection is used. Resurrection has nothing to do with returning to that which we already had. It's not a, a rebirth of the old, of the former of the latter, right? It's not, it's not, um, a, it's not rebirth in, in that regard, right? It's, it's not, uh, the same. It's not the same. Nothing remains the same. Everything changes in resurrection where resuscitation, if, if it had just been resuscitation for Jesus, then Jesus would have just been given back the life that he and the life the breath that he already had the cognitive functioning and neurological functioning and cardiac functioning that he already had and he would have gone about doing the things that he had always done as a homeless rabbi and itinerant apocalyptic street preacher and healer he would have continued that lifestyle but jesus is not resuscitated jesus is resurrected according to tradition Resurrection has nothing to do with the old. Resurrection takes that which was and transforms it completely into something new. Everything that is resurrected is made new. Completely new. It's not like, you know, refurbishing old furniture. Right? That's not what it is. It's not taking the old furniture and just making it look like it, it used to look in all of its glory and grandeur. No, it's taking the old couch that your grandmother had for years, and instead of getting it refurbished, you're taking it out back, you're hacking that motherfucker up with an axe, you're lighting it on fire, burning it to the ground, then watching a brand new couch emerge from the ashes. That's resurrection. All things being made new. This is the thing that sticks with me the most about this spiritual concept of resurrection. Resurrection implies that all things, all things are made new. And Jesus says this in the Gospels, that all things are being made made new, not returned to their former glory, not given back that which which they once had, but being made new, transformed from the inside out. We go from being one thing to being another thing. In that regard, then, Holy Saturday is it can be an excruciating day, thematically speaking. 
So my question for you today is not so much, do you believe the story of Jesus and the resurrection? Because I think that that doesn't matter. I think that that's completely immaterial to how we practice spirituality. Good for you if you believe it. Um, I hope that is working out for you. But I don't think that we should hang our hat on that. So here at Earthmakers, we're not going to hang our hat on that today. Okay? No offense. We're just going to move forward here. I want to invite you to ask yourself the question, what is it that is lying dead in the tomb for me today? What is it that I have lost? That my, my mind and my heart and my body still want to cling to? What are the things that have been buried for you? The things that you wish you still had in their, in their old glory? The things that you wish were still a part of your life? Maybe that old job, maybe that old relationship, maybe the things that happened before you made that decision <clears throat> to cheat on your significant other, to um, use that drug or take that drink or make that financial deal or make that move or say that thing that you didn't mean to say to your parent or your sibling. What if we could take it all back, right? What is the thing that you're sitting with today in grief and loss saying, God damn it, I wish that that thing was still a part of my fucking life and it's not. It's not. Could we go back before the Capitol riots? Could we go back before the murder of George Floyd by Derek Chauvin? As the trial unfolds here, our hearts are aching here in the Twin Cities around this topic. I have a, a lovely friend who I cherish deeply, a new friend, and this person survived a school shooting. So grateful that she survived because we need her. We need her in this world. But she lives with the trauma and the loss associated with that every day. What if we could go back before that shooting and manipulate things in a new way so that it didn't have to happen that way? Maybe we're looking at our lives now and we're thinking, what did it all mean? What was it all for if it all ended like this? If it turned out this way. Everybody's grieving something because everybody loses things. Everybody loses something or someone. Loss is the primary form of suffering that unites all of humanity. We all lose shit, folks. All of us. What have you lost? Who have you lost? Or whom? I'm not sure which one that is. Who or whom have you lost? <laughs> I should look that up. Anyways, but our hearts and our minds are begging us to get back, and our bodies are begging us to get back to the way things were before, but that is not the way of resurrection. The way of resurrection is the hope, the belief that at some point, this thing that we believe has dead and gone is going to become something 
new, something transformed, something beyond our imagining, something beyond all possibility, all thought, all reason. Something beautiful and new and illuminated, full of light, so shiny, so good, so full of life, giving life to others, changing the world. Everything is transformed. Everything is made new, right? Is it possible for resurrection to occur in our lives? Is it possible? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Because belief in resurrection is really not where my energy goes these days. But it's an important concept to wrestle with this time of year. I think resurrection is a beautiful idea beautiful concept, a hopeful concept, one that can touch hearts and hopefully change lives. A couple of examples here as we wrap up today. I was a pastor for a brief time um, in a Christian spiritual tradition, and I was removed from my position in a very public manner because of Um, some practices and actions I had engaged in which were addict level behaviors so I was acting out of my addiction there have been so many years since that event that I've looked back and and wished and almost begged the universe to let me do over can I just go back before then and just shift things around No, I can't, right? I had my heart and mind set on being a pastor in a a Christian parish, and I had worked really hard for a really long time on committing myself to that work, to that study, to that field, to that vocation, and I was really good at it. And it still wasn't meant to be. I just kind of, I wanted to restore the old glory. I wanted to be resuscitated. But that thing died and has been lying in this tomb, right? For a long time, many years. And now, folks, I am a clinically trained chaplain working in an addiction treatment facility, doing my dream job, the job that I had no idea was my dream job. And I never want to leave. I love the work that I do. I love it so much. It is so good. So, do you have something like that? Think about it. The thing that died for me, this dream of being a pastor that was lying in the tomb, was resurrected, not resuscitated. It was resurrected. It became something new. I am working in a field and doing work that I never in a million years would have thought I would be doing. Never. Ever. But I am living in true resurrection right now. And it is sweet. And I have lots of gratitude for that.
Is it resurrection that was caused by Jesus or the Holy Spirit or God or some infrangible set of ethical principles or some wicked mother goddess? Uh, who knows? I don't know. All I know is that it, it happened the way that it did. And as a Buddhist, I receive it as it is. And I am grateful. Do I still have pain around my past? Sure, that every addict in recovery does. But there's another resurrection piece in my story. There's many resurrection pieces in our stories. And my invitation to you after today is to go out back into your life, into your world, and, and reflect on where the moments of resurrection in your life are. The things that are old and dead being made new, not being resuscitated, but being made brand spanking new. For most of my life, I've lived as a cisgender male um, and lived as a straight cisgender male for a good chunk of my life. <clears throat> At the age of 17, I came out as, as a queer to my parents. I came out to them again at the age of 24 and then again at the age of 31, because apparently it takes three times before it sticks. Um, and that was a hard enough process, you know, difficult, a big part of my story, a big part of my life. But even bigger than that, and a lot of my listeners know about this, is in August of 2020, so not long ago, I came out as transgender and have been living as a non-gender, non-binary person ever since. I thought that maybe what I needed to do was go back before all of this queer stuff and trans stuff started to take hold in my life. And I think there are some loved ones in my life who wish the same. But the truth of the matter is, as much as my brain and heart might long for the easier times, the more privileged times, that's not resurrection. That thing that died was my cisgender heterosexual fiction that I was living, that has been dead in the tomb. It has been, it has been taken and given newness. And now gender and orientation are queer, transgender identities that I am living with every day because it is true. It is my reality. Resurrection may just be a concept in some cases, an idea, a thought, a belief in some cases. It is also a practical thing that happens all the time in our lives. When I watch my friends go on hormones and begin their medical transition, it's like, it's like, Thank the higher power, whatever the higher power is, for science and medicine because something fucking amazing is happening. Resurrection is happening. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual resurrection is happening. If you want to know what, what resurrection looks like, visit your transgender neighbor and have a conversation with them because they know all about resurrection. We know all about resurrection. 
Blessed Holy Saturday to you. Happy Easter to you. Thank you. I love you so much. You are enough exactly as you are. Take good care of you today. I will see you next week. Thank you.